Cameron's Tickle and I got a message for small business owners. If you are a small business owner, you know, a small family type of business, right, and you are proud of the goods and services that you offer and some national, basically, publicity, visibility, etc., would help you succeed and help drive business your way, send me an email. That's AmericanReef at me.com, or you can go to AmericanReef.com and fill out the Contact American Reef form on that first page. Now, I don't have the details all baked out here, but the idea is relatively simple. I want to help the small businesses succeed. As you've heard me say, you know, to me, small businesses have a stake in your success, and actually the community's success. Whereas kind of large, international, kind of conglomerate companies, I, they're not designed to do that. So this is my way of kind of leveling that playing field a little bit, right? And giving some advertising to those small and, you know, again, family-owned kind of businesses. I want to help them succeed. You know, over the years, I've had many conversations with American reviewers who kind of fell into various kind of small business categories. Like, for example, I know some viewers out there, had, they had their own jewelry shops. Uh, candy stores. Uh, they were in the photography business, meaning they, you know, they videotaped and photographed, um, you know, weddings, things of that nature. Uh, you know, the list kind of goes on and on. The idea is, if your service can be either kind of fulfilled through e-commerce or you travel nationally to kind of perform that service, then again, I think it makes sense for us to talk. Again, I'd almost say that even if you are somebody who is considering open up a small family-owned shop, maybe you know a coral fragging business, for example, uh, to kind of support your hobby. Um, whatever that is, my general criteria is number one has to be good for the viewer. Number two has to be good for you as well. And so to me, it's one of those you know if it's a win-win for everybody, then it makes sense for us to talk. Again, it's really simple. Send me an email, AmericanReef at me.com, or go to AmericanReef.com and fill out the Contact American Reform on that first page. Now, today's video, we're going to talk about ways to manage coral growth. Ways to manage coral growth. Well, remember about a year or so ago, Mike Paletta actually took that sunlit SPS tank and converted it to grow LPS and softies. Well, ever since he did that, and he's getting growth kind of like, like crazy, and some corals are actually touching the surface area. Now, he had planned for that, right? Remember with the kind of uh, the rocks that were stacked on that um, rod, for example? And um, so you know, he had talked about maybe wanting to kind of, again, take one of those rocks out as things started to grow. Well, things are starting to grow. And this episode, we're going to see how good that method works or doesn't work. To me, Big Mike. Hello, Russ. Today we're doing something that we sort of planned for and sort of has happened by just sheer serendipity. Obviously, this is my sunlight tank. 
and it is doing remarkably well. Compared with where we were at last year to this time where I was having problems with the SPS, the soft corals and LPS that are in here love this sunlight, love the tank. Uh, a lot of them have really grown and have grown so much that they're now hitting the surface of the water. Hold on, hold on. So let's back up for a second. Remember, let's, everybody last year, remember, tell everybody what you were doing to try to get the light under control. Last year I was putting screening on top. I had a blue filter on top. I was doing everything possible to more or less cut down and control the light. This year I've put soft corals in instead. They love the sunlight as much as they can get. They're growing like weeds. Uh, so much so that I have to lower one part of the tank because they've literally grown to the surface from little tiny corals three, four months ago into big, nice sized corals in a relatively short time. So it's been very quick growth in what to me is the simplest tank that I maintain. And you're doing none of that shading, no playing around with light. I'm doing nothing. I have the same lights I had on last year. The sunlight, it's summer sunlight. It's still been bright and sunny in Pittsburgh, which sounds like a oxymoronism. But the corals have done well, the anemones have grown well, the fish are fine, and as I stated before, this is the simplest tank I run. I do a 10 gallon water change on it once a month. The only thing I'm adding to it is Kalkwasser for the evaporation water. I have a simple skimmer and I have a Miracle Mud filter filled with Kato uh, and Calerpa. That's basically it. I mean, if you wanna do a simple tank and you don't wanna be putzing around like I do with the SPS corals, this is the way to go in my mind. Uh, and what else is interesting is a lot of people really like this tank because it's in my sunroom. In the summertime, we sit out here, you look at the tank with the sunlight going across, you have the glitter lines. It's just a really enjoyable tank to have. The fish have grown. I feed them two or three times a day, a little bit. There's not a ton of fish. There's no real big fish in here. Uh, the only downside is the Aptasias also like this. I just found my Aptasia zapper uh, in the last couple of days. So for the next few days, I'm gonna be taking the Aptasias out. Basically, I zap them till they pull away, suck them out, and then they're gone. So when we say Aptasia, we're talking monster Aptasia. Yeah, as, as you'll see in the pictures, there's an Aptasia that's about this big and about this thick around. It's, it's the mother of all Aptasia, so. So here's a question. When you fry that thing, do you have to worry about toxins? Like, you know how sometimes when people will like eliminate flatworms or whatever? There, there aren't enough of them. Okay. And basically, what the zapper seems to do is, is it causes them to pull away from the rock and end up taking off a fair amount of the body. I mean, it's 90% water or more. Right. So when I take it out, I just take it out, throw it away. I mean, I have the ball based here and I can, I can take it out fairly quickly. Okay. So what we're gonna do is the way I designed this is it's basically this big flat rock sitting on a bunch of smaller rocks on a fiberglass rod. I'm going to try and lift this out. I don't know if this is gonna work or not. First, I'm going to move the light away. And so again, the idea here is you ran out of room, these corals are going crazy, you need to drop everything low. Yeah, because they're, they're literally sitting at the surface, they're getting algae built up on them. Uh, they've basically, for the most part, stopped growing. When they hit the air, they're funny. They don't like to grow in air. Right. So I have no idea how this is going oh, to lift. Second, you're gonna put, we're gonna pause it right there and I'm gonna get nice and close. Because so, okay. I think you're gonna need my hands with this.
Yeah, that's what happens when you uh, do this kind of major cleaning, is even though you think you've taken a lot of dirt out, dirt always finds a way to find the areas with the least amount of water flow. So even though I have a ton of flow in here, I obviously don't have enough, because as I fill under this rock, I can pull up this much gunk. All right, look at that, yep. And now do you worry about like, when you do like changes like that, like recycling, kicking back up? No, there's enough uh, space for bacteria in here, taking out the detritus. Like I said, I, don't, I do pretty much nothing in this tank, right. and it still face, stays fairly stable. Here's a bit of dead sponge, which actually, when you find a lot of sponges in your tank, that means your tank is, from my point of view, very healthy. Right. When you don't find any sponge, that's typically a bad sign. Right. So finding the sponge was a good thing. Now putting the rock back in will be interesting. And as you can see, it is much lower significantly lower than it was and I'm gonna leave some space for things move that over to there move that back and then so what do you think you got took out of our six inches yeah easy so it'll be interesting to see once the water clears because right now what I'm doing is just putting things as best I can and without the water being clear I can't really tell right. but I'm yeah you can see there's now where this coral was hitting the top there's now three three and a half inches right. between it and the surface so there's a lot more space for it to grow and here's some sponge I'm gonna stick back there now that's the star polyps which amazingly aren't like most star polyps and that they're, they're not killing and growing over everything and they also have a much nicer color. I've only seen this twice uh, from my friend uh, Jim at Eye Catching was distributing them and he hasn't gotten them back in because I'd get them again. Yeah, what are they like nuclear? What are they, what's the... I don't know. I don't know yeah, the names. You know they, that. I'm not a name guy. They definitely got it. Yeah, they have a lot more potential than the other typical star polyps. They bust on color, and then they don't grow. Just perfect. And so now, as you're doing this, so you're saying, okay, you know, you're not overly worried about the the detritus or anything like mixing it up. You know, it's causing. Issues. I'm hoping a fair amount of it will get sucked over the overflow and drawn in. So that's why you didn't shut your pumps off when you were doing this. Yeah, I wanted as much taken out of here as I can. And as soon as I'm done, I'm going to turn the power heads back on. And that will hopefully get things cranking again. So now what about everything sliming up? Like, you know how you've got a couple of paleothel in there, and you know how they tend to slime up, and that's where all the toxins are? Yeah, I, hopefully <laughs> that won't be an issue. Mm -hmm. And there's only two of them in here. So we'll see. Right. But for somebody who's going to do this at home, and if they've got lots if of If they got a lot of them, then you don't want them to touch the air. I really didn't want them to touch the air, but I really didn't have much of a choice. And I don't know whatever else is or where it is. Hey, look at that. There's nice little. I love those little things. I don't like them at all because they really? tend to eat stuff, but I like the sponges. So keep the sponges. Oh, that's right. You had your issue with those guys eating your like euphelia and stuff like that, right? Eating the bases of uh, acrofrags. 
I mean, I ate tons of them, so they're on my list. Once you're on my list. Little brittle stars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one else says it, but I mean, I no, saw them, like took them out, added some uh, rasses that cleaned them out, and haven't had a problem since, so I can only assume. Right. You know, I, it may have been something else, but I don't know what it would have been. Right. Uh, here we go. So as you're picking them up, what are you looking for? Like hitchhiker kind of things? or you're I'm looking for things I don't want or like. Okay. Uh, like the brittle star. Like the brittle star, like uh, bristle worms, which I typically find and tend to nail my fingers, things like that. So the other thing we're going to do while we do this real quickly is we're gonna put the lids back on because as Russ has found out. Too many times. You leave this open for five minutes Every really cool fish in the tank will find a way to jump out of it. So we try not to do that anymore. These lids have been a, a godsend. Only one fish snuck out of it, and I still have no idea how he did that. Yeah, I remember that. Like through a wee little... I mean, a ridiculously small hole. Well, one of the things you want are as many old towels as you can get. And I... Love Kohl's for their 30% off. I go buy towels and add new towels to my collection. And I do that all the time. We're back. So it's been about half an hour actually, and you can see the tank is cleared up, not perfectly, but it's a lot clearer than it was after I found all the detritus that was underneath the rocks. But as you can see, the corals are now no longer at the surface, so probably in the next three or four months they will grow to the surface. Uh, there's now room and space for stuff. The thing I didn't mention though is on the other side you see one really big bubble tip anemone, and there's five other bubble tips in here. So the question is, why is that one so much bigger? Because you put them in at the same time, they were the same size. Put them all in, they were all the same size, all different color variations. And that one actually didn't have any more bubbles than the other ones did. The secret is, I feed the fish over top of that every night. And I've done that deliberately, but I've only done it for the past month. So this isn't like a long-term thing. But simply by feeding that anemone every day a little bit of food, because most, most of the food gets blown over the top of it, but a few morsels make it down to it every day. Right. It's probably tripled in size versus the other ones in relatively a month. So if you're planning on propagating anemones, obviously you want to feed them and you don't even have to be that aggressive at feeding them. Right. Like I said, it probably gets two or three mice of shrimp and a couple pellets a day. And one, it has much nicer bubble tips. It looks like a bubble tip versus the other ones. The coloration's great. But the growth is what's really exciting to me. It is. It's like super bubble tip. I mean, you compare them, it's night and day, right? Yeah, and what else is interesting is there's all the anemones were put in at the same time. The one that has the biggest bubble tips is the one that the clownfish yeah, go in. That's right. Which is also interesting because they don't really go into the other anemones. The size matters. Yeah, so they apparently like the bigger, more aggressive anemone that's in there. Right. But what's interesting, though, is, is that when I feed the fish, 
the other fish will go above that anemone. It doesn't really seem to bother them. It isn't as aggressive as it would be, as I'm assuming, as if it were hungry. So when the uh, rabbit fish, which are very aggressive eaters in here, go above it, I've seen them rubbing against the tentacles, and it really hasn't bothered them. So that also is something that's kind of interesting in this tank, that uh, just sitting here and observing right. just one simple month of feeding, right. what a difference it has made. And you see it right away. I mean, it does. Yeah, it, compared with the other four that are in here, uh, it's, it's like night and day. So now on this guy here, so now that you move that down a little bit, Right, uh, you're just going to kind of let it grow in, or are you going to, besides killing the aptasia, sorry. Besides killing the aptasia, I'm just going to let it grow in. I'll probably move a few things around. I, I gave them enough space, so hopefully they'll have six months. But I'm thinking that probably in another six months to a year, I'm going to have to drop it all the way down to the bottom and just let it grow up. There's only one rock underneath it now. Right, right. So there's there's not a lot of, I mean, I, I, I when I put this in, it was going to be an SPS tank, and I wanted as much surface area, so I had it low. This is a 90 breeder, which is a kind of unique right. size of tank. Right, right. So it had maximum surface area on the top to let sunlight in. But what it has is minimal depth. Right. So, I mean, worst case, I could always go to a 120, which would increase the, the height here by six inches. Right. But I don't really want to take everything out and redo it, because that's just... Yeah. So, I, I mean, I probably still have two or three years of dropping this stuff down. But over time, I'm assuming everything is going to grow to the surface of the tank. I mean, and like I said, I'm doing very little in this tank. Right, right. I mean, as little as I'm doing in any tank I've ever owned. It's beautiful at night, and we have to get some video of this at night. Yeah. At night, with the blue lights, this tank absolutely glows. And you're not seeing all the polyps open and all the corals, all the leather corals especially. But at night, everything's open. I mean, it's funny that during the day when the main sunlight's on, they start to open. But then at night, when it gets darker, everything opens up, which is contrary to what I've experienced in the past and when I've been on the reefs is that the leather corals are open a day and close up at night here they do the opposite so I don't know the reason but it's something else to look at right. and so now um, it occurred to me on this tank now you're not using like uh, GFO or carbon are you no okay all right so you just have the miracle mud coming through there and then right. you have the two algaes in there right the two macro right there. and then the skimmer Right. And again, so you're not doing any of the carbon and, and do you think that that's a reason why the, the softies are going? Ah, yeah, I, I, I've, I've tend not to run carbon in my softies tanks. And with the Miracle Mud in this, I mean, Ling was doing this 20 years ago. I mean, he had softy tanks that were just exploding with growth. So it, it's interesting to see, because I mean, in here I have a blue sympodium, which has grown from the size of roughly a nickel to where it's about the size of two fists in roughly four months. So everything that's soft in here has grown really well. I also just got in a orange scleronepthia. Yeah, that looks really nice. That typically doesn't do well in a tank, but I'm hoping because I'm not taking anything out and twice a week I'm cleaning the glass and letting the algae blow around, then I'm hoping that that's enough to keep it alive. And it's, and it's right in where the current is, so it gets a fair amount of water movement on it. So we'll see how it does. I mean, but traditionally those have not done well in our tanks long term. But this has been in for two weeks and so far so good. Yeah. It's not real happy with all the detritus blowing on it, but I gotta move some things around here obviously to clean things up. Good deal, sir. Any closing remarks? No, I mean if you want to do a simple tank, obviously do a softy tank. Uh, you don't have to really go nuts like you do with some of the other tanks. And my experience with this, as I said, this is all I'm doing. It's not anything elaborate. Uh, everybody's pretty happy and healthy in here. So from my point of view, this is uh, my old age tank. This is my retirement tank. This is a tank I'll have that I don't have to do much on. 
Like I said, a 10-gallon water change a month is not a big deal. Right, exactly. And it's beautiful, right? To me and everybody else that's seen it. Plus, it's in a nice location. So. Right, exactly. So stay tuned for the next episode of... I don't know, Mike's world. Uh, <laughs> we have lots, Ameri lots of things left. We're going to American Ref, yeah, but we have a lot of things yet coming up. So sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Yep.